0: Amen. Turn in your Bible to Matthew 28 and also Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 28 and Matthew 4. uh, And let's pray together as we jump into the Word of God. Father, we thank You for the Word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our lives today as we endeavor to follow You and be disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. We're talking about discipleship, the disciple, what it really means to follow Jesus. Our keynote passage and, and really our, our, our life verse ought to be Matthew 28, 19 and 20, where Jesus' great commission, his last words before he was uh, transfigured before them, it says, go therefore and make what? Disciples. Disciples of all nations, not just Beaumont, not just Southeast Texas but India, Africa, Mexico, all over the world and we're we're able to do that through our missionaries and through our influence and I'm excited about making disciples in El Mirador uh, in the days before us. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our purpose. That's our call is to make disciples. Uh, Someone once said we spend all our time trying to build the church. When Jesus said, I'll do that, you make disciples, I'll build the church we spent all our efforts trying to build the church instead of make disciples. i got a feeling if we'll get that turned around and just start making disciples, he'll build the church. Amen? And Because I believe disciples are the building blocks of his kingdom and of the, uh, and of the local church. We defined discipleship a few weeks ago uh, in three ways. What is discipleship? It's a call to follow Jesus. What did Jesus ask his disciples to do when he met them by the shore or walking down the road? He said, Somebody say follow me. In fact, one one gospel says he called them just to be with him. A, a discipleship is a call to follow Jesus. And today if you're not following him, listen. There there are probably people in this world who are born again, have asked Christ to come into their heart, but they're not really following him. I would ask you today to ask yourself that question. Am I endeavoring to follow Jesus in my daily life? Or am I living the way I want to and hoping that somehow he'll bless it? Listen, that's not the way discipleship works. It's a call to follow Jesus, not ask him to follow you. Most people want him to follow them and fix all their mistakes and clean up their messes. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is a call to follow Jesus. Number two, right behind that is it's number two, a call to fish for men. We'll look at that a little bit today because Jesus told his disciples, he said, follow me and I will do what? I will make you fishers of men. And so, we're going to return, if you will, to a fisherman's mindset, hopefully, over the next few weeks and months and even into the next year, where we realize there's a world of people that, that are lost and without Christ. That's what discipleship is all about. Discipleship is not a bunch of Christians gathered around in a circle trying to figure out how to live their best life now. Discipleship is more about following Jesus and fishing for men. Are you with me? And then number three, discipleship defined is not only a call to follow Jesus and a call to fish for men, but it's a call to fellowship with others. It's a call to rally together with one another for the greater kingdom purpose and for for the purpose of strength and and, and relationship. You see the first century church when it was born in Acts chapter 2, it says they continued in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and of prayers. They linked together for the purpose of, uh, purpose of God's kingdom coming and His will being done. And so that's the call to discipleship. We also looked a couple of weeks ago about some decisions we've got to make. You remember those? I, I pray if you've missed any of these, you would go to our website. Discipleships, decisions. There's a lot that we have to make. One of them is, am I, am I going to be a fan or a follower? There's a lot of fans of Jesus, fish and bread, hallelujah, but when he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood, a lot of people don't like those kind of messages, but we've got to ask ourselves some important questions, Uh, am I going to hang on to my life or am I going to let go and let God have his way? And then last week, we talked about a hard one, the discipleship's denial. Jesus said in Matthew sixteen twenty four. he said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We've learned that discipleship is not about us. Everybody say, it's not about me. Tell your neighbor, it's not about you either, by the way. <laughs> Some people think life's all about them. Some people believe the world revolves around them and their needs. How many of you know that's little babies? but that's not grown disciples. Little babies, the whole world revolves around them, right? Woo-hoo! Isn't that right, Grandma? It all revolves around them little newborn babies. But as they grow, hey, it's not about them anymore. It's about others. And so uh, we've got to deny ourselves. And so today we're going to jump into another level of discipleship and talk about the disciples' development. And now this may take us a few weeks. I, in fact, uh, I was in a quandary. Anybody ever been in a quandary? I had my message all together, but I realized, ooh, that's too much. I'm going to overload. I'm going, they're going to just, they're going to, they're going to shut down on me. And so Beverly was there. I was sitting in a quandary. She said, am I bothering you? I said, no, I'm in a quandary. I, I'm trying to figure this out. I, I've got, I've got this message, but then I realized I'm trying to say too much. And so this one thought about the discipleship's development may take us the next two or three weeks. And where I get that is from this, where it says in Matthew chapter 4, if you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, uh, when he walks into the disciples' life, really verse 18, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me. Everyone say, follow me. And then he says, This, I will make you fishers of men. And then the next verse, I love it. It says, They immediately left their nets and followed him. I love that decision. They made a choice in a moment. When they came into the, uh, the presence of the, re- of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, he called them to a whole new level of living. And they immediately left their nets. He said, I will make you fishers of men. That's a process. How many of you know that we're in the middle of a a development towards being all that God wants us to be? We, we, We are in the process of becoming more and more like Christ. I want to make this foundational statement for you. And I want you to tweet it, remember it, whatever you can do concerning uh, uh, this thought. It is this. It's that discipleship is a lifelong process that requires, pardon me, the discipline of daily development. Could we say that together? Let's all do it together out loud and say it out loud and let it set up residence in your heart. Here we go. Discipleship is a lifelong process that requires the discipline of daily development. We're in the middle of a process. And if we undermine the developmental process of God in our life, if we don't discipline our lives to become what he wants us to be, if we don't allow him the liberty to make us into something that we are not, the disciples realized, hey, and if you read other passages, they weren't very good fishermen. They were already really washing their nets. They were done for the day. They weren't cleaning fish. They were washing their nets. They fished all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, uh, we're going to let down our nets for a catch. That's Luke's uh, illustration. They weren't very good at fishing in the resurrected, pardon me, not the resurrected Christ. The Christ came into their life and, and, and offered them an opportunity to step it up a notch in their life and lay down their nets and come and follow Christ. And they knew that that, that was a lifestyle change. When you think about how Jesus dealt with Peter, even after he called him We looked at it a couple of weeks ago, Matthew 16, when he changed his name from Simon to Peter. He said, I'm going to begin to call you Peter. That is the rock. And the Greek there reads like this. I'm going to begin to call you what you will one day be. You see, we are not what God wants us to be just yet. We're in the middle of a process. And we need to embrace the process of God to become more and more like him. I think of Paul to the Philippian church. When he wrote in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, he said, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What was he saying? That discipleship is a process. He started a good work. Listen, I want to tell you today, a lot of people let Jesus start some things, but they don't let him finish. And they don't go through the process of, of allowing him to do what he needs to do and to make us fishers of men. It took Jesus, I guess, three years because his his, life, his, his, his earthly ministry only lasted three years. It took him three years of modeling it and, and working it out with the disciples in order to come to a place where he could leave and put it and turn it over to us. It's a process. If we had time, we'd look from how Paul shared with his son in the faith, Timothy. We've been talking about that on Wednesday night about uh, uh, discipleship lessons from a father to his son, from Paul to Timothy. He told him in 1 Timothy chapter four, he said, "You you got to keep this process going. You got to study. You got to do this. You got to keep it going. You got to continue working out the things of God, growing and studying and being a part of the kingdom of God." You read it later. He's what's he saying? It is it's a lifelong process becoming what Christ wants us to be is a process there's some things that need to develop within us the sad thing is many of us, the wrong kinds of things have begun to develop within us. We've got to let the discipleship and the process of God be made manifest in our life. When I think about these disciples, these first, uh, the, the first few there, Peter and John and others, when they, it says they immediately left their, their nets, I call them, I like to call them lifestyle committed. They're, they were committed. Their lifestyle. They, it said we're willing to change our whole life. We are. We are committed to this thing called discipleship. There's a lifelong commitment that we are making when we let when we leave our nets and we begin to follow Him. We're lifestyle committed. Somebody say lifestyle committed. That's what I want to talk to you about over the next few weeks, where we make some lifestyle changes that 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 that. Turn us towards God's purpose and plan for our life. I think of Jesus and what he did with these disciples, these, these fishermen, these ragtag uh, group of brothers, James and John and Peter and Andrew, uh, what he began to do with them. He just began to model for them what they would one day need to be. In fact, the, the, the next couple of scenes after he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, they just began to do that and they left their nets. And it says in verse 23, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in the synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And then it says his fame spread throughout all of Syria and people were coming and being healed. What did Jesus do for these disciples? He just started modeling what it meant. He started modeling what he was going to one day make them into. He modeled it for them. How many of you know we need some role models in our life? We need some people in our life. And Jesus was their role model. And he began to just say, follow me. Just see what I do. I'm preaching. I'm teaching. I'm, I'm moving in the Spirit. I'm healing. I'm bringing deliverance to people's life. I'm, I'm modeling it for him. He didn't ask them to teach. He didn't ask them to preach. He didn't put them through Sunday school. They were just following Jesus. And then we see the next thing in Matthew chapter 5 Immediately. Look in chapter five. This is what many call the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone say the Sermon on the Mount. Look what it says. This is what he does. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and taught them saying, now what was he doing now? He modeled it for a season. Now he was mentoring them on a personal level. He was investing. And the Sermon on the Mount is what I call really the theme of the whole Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is the lifestyle of discipleship, what it means to be a disciple. And over the next few weeks, I'm going to kind of take it apart for you and let you look at it. I would encourage you, here's your homework. How many of you want some homework? Just read the Sermon on the Mount every day this week. Just get Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and start taking it apart and start applying it in your life and put it back together and let this, this message of discipleship discipleship, began to set up residence in your heart and began to allow him to to, uh, engage you in the process and the development of who you are as a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus began to teach them. Now the multitudes were there. But I really believe, it says, they were seated, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. It's almost like this. This is my perspective. The masses were there, but Jesus was speaking to his disciples. The masses were hearing, but he was talking to disciples. And so he begins to teach in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I want to break that down for you. And the first thing I see that, that he was endeavoring to teach uh, his disciples that, hey, if you're going to follow me, you've got you've to have a lifestyle of learning. Discipleship is a lifestyle of learning. You never come to the place where you know it all. All the know-it-alls stand up. Uh, that's why you're here this morning. All the know-it-alls are, they're still at home because they think they know it all. Don't tell anybody I said that. I had a guy one time. I think that I think it was my first day as the, as a senior pastor. See, I say when you get old, you say things that makes you think of things that you probably have nothing to do with, but you just have to say them. That's what old, that's what pawpaws do. That's what old. Man. This guy told me first day on the job, senior pastor. He said, "Well, preacher, I knew I was up when he called, when they start calling you preacher instead of pastor. You know something's up, preacher." I hope you can tell me something I don't already know. I said, probably not. You look pretty smart to me. The very word disciple means learner or pupil. We find the word of God calling those that follow Jesus People who are learning something, they're, they're, they're pupils, they are students of the Most High. And so he, his disciples, his learners, his pupils come and they sit around him. And what he's trying to instill in them is not just truth, but to begin by saying, hey, if you're going to be a disciple, you've got to be a learner. You can't think you know it all. You can't come to the place where you don't think you really need this. You know why a lot of people don't read their Bible? It's because they, hey, we're getting close to home. They don't think they need it or they think they got it all figured out anyway because it understands something. People who are disciples realize, I don't know it all. I need the Word of God in my life. And so he he begins to sit them down and he begins to teach them. And, and so he begins to give them some things. I want to give you at least five things today uh, that, that he begins to teach them that they're going to have to have operating in their life if they're going to be genuine followers of Christ. And here it is, the first one that he taught them, he said, you're going to have to have a new attitude. How many of you know that discipleship requires the right attitude? Some people don't carry the right attitude as disciples. In fact, uh, Matthew 5 verse 3 through verse 10 and 11, what's it called? It's called the be attitudes. There's some attitudes that you and I need to be and have operating in our life. And I'm not going to teach you about the Beatitudes today. What I want you to see is the reser. I keep wanting to get him rose from the dead before he's dead and buried. Rose from the dead, when Jesus, because he is he is risen for me. I think that song got in me He he is risen, he is risen Hey, what Jesus was trying to instill in these disciples Is if you're going to follow me You can't carry the attitude of your past You can't carry the attitude of defeat in your life What was Peter? He was a messed up fisherman He was a a funky when it comes to religious uh, training and teaching He said you can't carry those There's a lot of people who carry attitudes in the world Some have this high-minded high attitude I don't think there's anybody like that here Some people have a low-minded Attitude. How many of you know both of them are not good? Some people think they're they're toe jam, you know, belly lint, something bad. People told you bad things about. That's the wrong attitude. And if you read the Beatitudes, it says, "Blessed are they." Everybody say, "Blessed are they." Now, your your understanding of being blessed might be different than mine, but you know what Jesus was talking about. You know how that translates? Very happy. And you know what I say. A lot of people come to church and they are not very happy. They look like they've been what? Baptized in pickle juice. Come on now. That's not the decision. Oh, I've, I've met people who are so religious they get all puckered up and even when they pray it scares me. Because they get all frustrated and frowed up. And, hey, I got a feeling when Jesus walked through town, he was not going, hallelujah. I am the Lord. I got a feeling he was smiling. Probably not high-fiving, but come on, get the picture. He's just happy, glad to be here. Some people not very happy. Listen, if you're going to be a disciple, you gotta have a new attitude. You gotta to begin to realize, man, I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. Gas is under three dollars. Come on, somebody give him some praise. <laughs> uh, hey. I'm not going to hell. That ought to make me happy. Yeah, but my refrigerator broke. Who cares? Go hang out in El Mirador with me in December. You'll come home going, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can see through their houses to the other house. I'm telling you. It's a new attitude that you and I have to carry. And Jesus got his disciples together in the middle of the whole multitude and said, you boys better get your attitude straight about life and about who you are. The second thing he began to teach them, he kind of capped it off when he was talking about new attitude. He said, let me tell you another thing. If you're going to be a disciple, you're going to follow me, you've got to have a new fortitude. I call it intestinal fortitude. What's fortitude? It means courage in the midst of adversity. He just gets right up in the middle of their business. He becomes a, a, a nosy pepper. What's a nosy pepper? He gets jalapeno business. And he began to say, Listen, blessed are those who when they revile blessed are those when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Don't get mad and furred up. Get an understanding about this issue of adversity. He said, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He said, You've got to get some new fortitude in you. You can't fall apart. Every time you break a nail You can't fall apart Every time your boss jumps down And gets all up in your business You can't just throw in the towel Every time things don't go the way you want There's going to be persecution There's going to be problems There's going to be pain But hey, you just need to rejoice Are you getting a theme going on here? Come on now I've been cleaning the house all morning I don't know what you've been doing I'm still happy. Hallelujah. He said, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to to have to have a new way of understanding, a new attitude, a new fortitude. Oh, I love this one. You're going to have to have a new altitude. You're going to have to get up to a whole other level. Look what he says in verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? If it is then good for nothing, but is thrown out and tra- it's then good for nothing and thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. How many of you know that's not a new altitude? He says, you are the what? Light of the world. Catch this. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. He's beginning to t- try to tell them, listen, I'm building a kingdom here. This is not just about you. I'm talking about something that's going to change the whole world. No, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He said, Disciples, listen. You need to understand something. Not only do you need a new attitude and a new fortitude, but you're going to have to realize, I want to lift you, and I am going to lift you to a whole new altitude. You're about to be influential in the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, so start acting like it your little light shine again he's saying wipe the frown off your faces began to be something somebody would want in their life as well i don't know about you but a lot of people look at, at the church did you know the world's looking on the at the church going i don't want to be that that's why they're not here Something's done gone wrong. Something's fishy in Denmark. When the world doesn't want to come rushing towards the light of God and the salt of the earth. Maybe it's just the preacher's fault. Could be. But he tells his disciples, you've got to have a new attitude. You've got to have a new fortitude, intestinal fortitude. You've got to get some some internal strength and courage about you. And you've got to let me lift you to another level. I want to promote you in this thing. And, and I want to lift you up to a whole new level. I want you to be influential in the earth. Like a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Some of you have tried this. In your most weakest voice. This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Oh, really? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Won't let Satan get Come on now. It's time we realize, we've hey, we're in the middle of the world that is lost and without Christ. It's time to walk into the middle of your world with a new altitude. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm on my way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. I got a new attitude. I got a new in, intestinal fortitude. And I'm seated with Christ. I'm like, I got my light. I'm going to let my light shine wherever I go. I'm not going to let culture, hey, hey, let let me tell you something. Culture should not shape us. We shape culture. Oh, I about chased a rabbit, but see, I caught myself. Let's keep going. It's a new, altitu- new altitude. And here's what he taught them all throughout Matthew 5. He said, listen, disciples, not only do you need a new altitude, but you're going to have to have a new rectitude. That means morally correct behavior. When you begin to read through uh, Matthew 5, you're going to see him say, you know, the religious people say this, but let me tell you this. You've got to have a new level, a new standard. You know, he talks about murder. He said, listen, you, you need to raise the bar here. It's not those who commit murder. It's those who have murder in their hearts. He raises the bar. He's saying, listen, you've got to have a new moral standard about who you are and what God's called you to do. Hey, if they think this is okay, understand, we're way above that. If the world says it's okay here, it's not okay here. It's okay. Hey, I'm going to raise the bar for the world. Hey, when it comes to adultery and sexual sin, they say if you commit adultery, this. But I tell you, if you do it in your heart, you've already committed it. What's he saying? We've got to raise the bar around here. Come on, somebody help me out this morning. He's calling discipleship to a whole new level of righteous living. And he says, oh, let me tell you another one. If that one's too big for you, talk about this. You better start loving your enemies. You think it's good you love your friends. You better start loving your enemies. A new righteous standard. a, A new moral code, if you will. For what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. How about going the second mile? Somebody says, go with me. What, how about, oh, disciple, we're going to raise the bar. We're going, we're going the second mile. Pastor said, give to India. They need it. Hey, I'm going to do that. And I'm also going to help the kids in El Mirador. I'm going the second mile. Are you with me? Say amen. And then finally, for our message today, he taught them to have a new lifestyle, and a new similitude. Let me explain. That means something, the quality of, or state of being similar to something, or similar. In Matthew 6, it's the first part is about when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Everyone say that. When you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Now, we'll talk about those a little later, but Here's what he says in those three Don't be like the hypocrites Don't be hypocritical In your walk with God Don't be similar to the hypocrites In your prayer life Don't be like the heathen in your prayer life Don't be like the hypocrites In your fasting They're all doing it just so people can see How religious they are Don't be like them Be like me Follow me Don't be hypocritical let me give you a new, he, what he's saying. Hey, these, the standard of the day prior to Jesus was religious hypocrisy. Do you get that? All the model they had, all the insight they had was religious hypocrisy. And he comes right in the face of it with discipleship. And he says, listen, this is not discipleship. Don't follow after them. You follow after me. And you get, hey, you get your new attitude. You get this new intestinal fortitude. You get this new understanding of your altitude and this moral compass called the, a new rectitude. And you began to model yourself after me. Don't be hypocritical here. Don't follow after the religious hypocrites. You follow after me. And I'll make you fishers of men Whew. God's called us to a whole new lifestyle Discipleship, listen it's, a, it's, it's lifestyle commitment There are no such things as part-time disciples There's no such thing as a part-time disciple You're either all in or you're out Hello, and so we've got to put this thing on. We've got to put our learning cap on, and you know what? Jesus was really endeavoring and is endeavoring for us today with this new. As he began to began to teach the disciples there on the on the mountain, and as he began to impart to them these discipleship truths, he's endeavoring to develop within all of us a whole new and an entirely new aptitude. That means. A natural ability or tendency. Some people have an aptitude for math. Where are all the math geeks? Raise your hand. I knew Josh. He was, he's all over that. Any, any sports? Got, uh, you're just kind of good at sports. I don't have my hand up. I'm just helping. Okay. Uh, how about mowing the grass? Okay, I knew that I had one or two. Yeah. How about mopping the floor? I, this is my aptitude. Oh, I'm good at Oh, Jesus. We all have our areas of expertise. You know what Jesus is telling his disciples? I want to begin to teach you. If you'll just follow me, I want you to begin to embrace what I'm saying here. And if you'll begin to learn some things, I'll develop within you a whole new aptitude. You'll have a natural tendency and a bent towards following me and fishing for men and fellowshipping with the saints. It's not in us now. But if you'll follow, if you'll learn some things. You'll begin to learn how to follow me and fish for men and fellowship with the saints. Some people, they think they got following Jesus down pretty good. But when it comes to fishing, I'm just going to be an example by my smile. Hey, I've met drug addicts that'll smile. I think it's interesting that Jesus said he opened his mouth and he taught them. Discipleship is about what comes out of your mouth. And so today as we close out, it's 12 noon. I'm done. But Jesus is wanting to endeavor within us a new nature and capacity to serve Him and follow Him. And to be what He wants us to be. Let's stand together today. Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We thank You, Lord God, for fruitfulness from the ministry of the Word of God that you are working within us. And let's just, hey, I know it's noon. Let's just, let's just pause just for a second. There's someone here that you need a new attitude in your life. Some here needs a new inner strength and fortitude. Someone here needs to understand that God's wanting to lift you up and begin to use you as the salt of the earth and as the light of the world. And all of us need to be called to a whole new moral standard, and spiritually righteous behavior in how we live our life. Becoming more and more like Him and less and less like the world. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let us embrace the teachings of our Lord. and Allow Him to begin to teach us and develop within us a lifestyle of learning where we Discipline ourselves daily to learn and to grow and to yield to the process of daily development in our walk with God. We thank you for that today. With every head bowed, just for a moment, let me give you an opportunity to respond.